I have so been looking forward to having this guest on my podcast. Today is a conversation with my big sister, Mary Lindsay Blanton, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. It was so good, so genuine, so heartfelt. Listen, if there is any person on this planet that should speak into the life and hearts of mamas, it is my sister. She has five children with one on the way, including triplets. Yes, you heard that right. You can hear all about her story and the things that God has taught her in this episode today. Plus, we're just so dumb together. Like, we're just so goofy. Um, I cried ugly tears. I laughed a lot. That's basically our relationship in a nutshell. And we're just inviting you in to be part of it today. I'm so excited for you to hear from Mary Lindsay Blanton, which feels weird to say because I call her sissy. So here's a conversation with me and sissy. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 58. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Listen in. Well, today on the Work and Play podcast, I have someone really special. I am so excited to welcome my sister and best friend to the podcast. Sissy, thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. I'm really happy to be here. This is my first podcast so, ever. Well, I'm so excited. I know we um, we just laughed a lot right before hitting record <laughs> because we just feel like, you know what, this is going to be what it is. We're sisters. We're super goofy and silly, and we're going to be really transparent, and we're going to just leave it pretty raw and unedited for you guys because I feel like <laughs> that's just us, and that's it how is. this is going to go. Um, so we'll probably get tickled and laugh and maybe cry. I don't know, but it's going to be great. Um, I really wanted to have you on this podcast for this special month of May because we're doing this May is for Mamas episode. And I can't think of anybody else who has taught me more about motherhood than you and our own mom. Um, but you have <laughs> a lot of babies. You have lots of kids and have, yeah, you've just been the person I have gone to with every single question, practical or like grand and spiritual or like whatever it is <laughs> in tears and laughing. Like we have just, yeah, having you as a big sister kind of going through the steps of motherhood before me has been the greatest gift. And so, and, and your story is just, I mean, it has so much to it. It's like, I think people listening are going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> like the whole time. So I want to give the opportunity for you to share your story and God's faithfulness throughout your story. So before yeah. we start, I just want you to tell a little bit about you, who you are, your family. Um, yeah, just kind of introduce yourself. All right. Well, I'm Mary Lindsay, which is really weird to say to Nancy because she does not call me that. She calls me Sissy, and I call her Minky, and it's just been our nicknames for each other. So for her to call me Mary Lindsay and for me to call her Nancy is just weird. Um, yeah, I, we're not going to do that. This first naming <laughs> is just weird. <laughs> um, but I am... 38 years old. I'm married to Chris and we have been married for, we just celebrated our 16th anniversary about two weeks ago. And um, we have 
lots of babies. <laughs> I'll tell you our story in just a little bit, but our oldest is Harper. She's 12. And then we have identical triplet boys. They are 10. And then we have Haven. And Haven is our youngest for now. Um, and she is eight. And then we are expecting our six little bonus surprise baby um, in July. And so we have about eight to 10 weeks to go until this little one arrives. And so, um, and then we have three babies in heaven, which I will kind of be able to share that. But um, that's a little bit about me. I have mainly been a stay-at-home mom for the last 12 years, but last year I did work um, full-time at my kid's school, and that was such, well, I guess this year, with this whole coronavirus, it feels like it's been last year, but <laughs> it's been this year, the start of the school year. So um, I have tried, I feel like, a little bit of it all, um, but yeah. And I'm going to be entering back into stay-at-home mom world once this little one comes along. So, and I was like, we've got to get in a podcast episode before you yes. go into newborn land. So, so true. Get ready. Let's so do so this. true. I know. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the beginning of your journey as a mom. Okay, when did you and Chris feel like you were ready to start a family, and kind of what happened in the beginning before you had Harper? Well, I have always wanted to be a mom. I can remember some of my earliest memories were playing with babies and just wheeling my babies around. And so um, when we got married, we knew we wanted to wait a little bit, but I was like, Chris, I'm leaving this in your hands as far as you're leading us because the second you say that we're ready to be parents, like I'm in. And so um, I remember we had been married for about a year and a half and um, he came to me and um, said, I really think that it's time for us to start trying. And so I was over the moon excited and um, started reading everything I could on like what you do to get pregnant. <laughs> and, um, just like if you've ever, if you've been there and you've been on a journey of um, trying to get pregnant, you know, there's like so many different things of taking your temperature to, I mean, just there's an array of things you can do to try to figure this out. And so I seriously became sucked into this world, this obsession of trying to figure it out. And, you know, each month that would go by, it would, I would um, not be pregnant and I would be so devastated, even just after trying for a few months. I knew it could take a while, but oh, it was just so hard. And that season for us lasted almost right at two years. And it probably was some of the darkest times of my life. Um, I had so many of my friends getting pregnant. I think I had three friends during that time get pregnant with twins. And I can just be, I can remember being so mad at God and which scared me at that time um, because I thought, well, goodness, if I'm mad at God, then that's going to totally ruin my chances ever. <laughs> like, I've got to be really good. But it just broke me in so many different ways. Um, and I got to a point where I did lay it down because it was so heavy to carry just that burden. Um and no, I didn't get pregnant right away after I laid it down. <laughs> a lot of people say that. But um, I did, I, 
I can't remember the exact order of things, but I did go in for more testing and um, they found that I had polyps in my uterus. And so um, I had surgery to have those removed. And um, then it still was just a waiting game for, I think, about three or four months, which they were still, you know, um, negative pregnancy tests and just waiting. But my heart had gotten to a place that was so free. I had been doing all these things trying to get pregnant. And, um, you know, the Lord just really showed me in our time together um, in quietness and rest is where my salvation is. And so I just stopped. I stopped um, trying. I started living life again. I started doing all the things that they say don't do. Like I remember taking like, like I had stopped taking hot bubble baths and I love bubble baths. And I was like, I'm taking all the bubble baths I want. (laughs) And, um, yeah, just the Lord gave us a baby in May of 2007 was when I got that first pregnancy test. And I was so elated. Um, and that did turn into Harper. Um, <laughs> we uh, moved to Tennessee in the middle of that pregnancy. We were living in Georgia at the time. And it was just like this fresh, brand new start of life. Um, we had Harper in February of 2008 and our little Valentine's, well, day before Valentine's baby. Um, and uh, life was just so good. Um, I was so grateful and so happy. Um, and let's see, when Harper was nine months old, yes, we nine months old, I remember going to church. It was at Christmas time and I was hearing like him, like the Christmas carols and just burst into tears. It was like I'd heard them for the first time. <laughs> and I wept through the whole service. Chris was like, um, we're singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And <laughs> you, we've heard this one before. We've this heard is this not one before. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just thinking, I was like, oh my goodness, what if I'm pregnant? And so after church, I took Harper because my husband is in ministry. And um, we went to the dollar store and I got a, um, a pregnancy test. And... Um, took it and Chris wasn't going to be home until later that night and I wrapped it up and put it under the tree and said hey I got you an early present and he um unwrapped it and it was a pregnancy test that was positive and he was like oh my gosh he'd wanted our kids to be really close at the time he had just wanted us to have two <laughs> and um I just oh always my gosh I did not know yeah, that he only That's wanted two and he was like we'll just let's just wait and see let's have these two close together and then we'll just pray about it and we'll see but I really think we only want two Well, um, that pregnancy went on, and let's see, that was in December that I found I was pregnant, and I went to my first um, doctor's appointment in January, and it was with a new doctor, and so I didn't think she was going to do an ultrasound. I thought she was just going to take my um, dates and everything like that, Um, but because I had been nursing Harper, we just weren't sure really how far along I was, and so she was like, let's do just a quick ultrasound. And so she's scanning me and Harper was there too. Chris had Harper. She was 10 months old. And um, he, the well, the doctor was like, oh my gosh, it's your lucky day. And I was like, what? I said, are they twins? Is it twins? She goes, oh no, honey, I see three. And I was like, 
three, three, three heartbeats. And I got so tickled. I could not stop laughing. I was like laughing my head off. And Legit, you like just won the lottery after you had been trying for so yes. long to have a baby. What I did Chris do? Laughing. Well, the funny thing is, is the night before I had not been fitting in any of my clothes already. And I was like, I think nine weeks along, which I'm like, you know, second baby. I'm like, they say you just show a lot faster. And I'm like, but man, none of my pants fit. (laughs) And, um, Chris was like, I said, babe, I said, what if we're having twins? And he was like, what if we're having triplets? This was the night before we had our ultrasound. And, um, I was like, babe, I did not know. You didn't know this story? No. (laughs) This is the night before. And I said, babe, we're not having triplets. The only people that get triplets are those that do like fertility treatments. And he was like, um, he was like, I bet there's three in there. And I just started laughing. I was like, you're crazy. Well, so when, after I started like having my hysterical fit after she said, there's three, all he did, he looked at me, he says, I told you so. Stop. And I was like, that is so funny. What? And so he goes, I guess we're going to have to think of a lot more names because we literally had one name, Maverick. That was our one boy name that we had. And um, because that's what he wanted to name Harper if she was a boy. And so, um, (laughs) so yeah. So we started that journey of having babies. Telling people was hilarious. Do you remember when I told you? Do you remember when I called you? Very vividly. Yes, I was driving in the car. I was in college in Boone, and I almost wrecked the car. Like I had the visual of where I was on the highway, and I was like, "Hey, how did it go?" And you just flat out said, "Like, well, we're having triplets." And I remember I, I got so hot, like it literally all comes back. I got so hot, and I was like, "No, no, no!" I mean, I just I lost it and I started crying. I had to pull over on the road because oh I could gosh. not even handle. The fact that you were having triplets, I remember it so well. So Chris, Chris is a middle school minister, and so he's a little bit of a prankster. And um, mom didn't believe him. Mom thought he was, like, trying to joke with her. And she was driving, too. And she was like, no, stop. Like, tell me how it really went. Said, no, right. stop. And I was like, mom, we're really having triplets. And she was like, what? <laughs> and so... <laughs> pulled over she's like hang on hang on I gotta pull over um but yeah I feel like this is so fun to talk about because I feel like I I thought I knew every detail of this story I know well I mean and you're in college and so you know you had your own life going as well um but I just remember calling I've heard all these different like reactions so so funny um yeah, I just remember calling so many people that day because we were like, look, we don't even care, like, at what point. Like, I think we were nine weeks at that point. And we're just like, we're just going to tell everybody. And it was really fun telling the all the students that night. Um, Chris, I don't know how he told them, but I just remember being there. And they, like, the whole room was just an uproar, like, when we told them we were having triplets. So, um, but that pregnancy, you know... While they really warned us, we had so many warnings, um, hard warnings of these babies may not make it to, um, you know, they may not all make it. One may make it. None of them may make it. Um, I just remember that night after finding out there were triplets, um, I just was worrying myself to death because on the internet, 
basically, I think people just get on the internet a lot of times to, at least they did at that time. Um, this was 2008, 2009, to just tell all their dramatic stories. Like, you know, a lot of people don't get online just to tell their basic stories. <laughs> yeah, like normal, normal healthy stories. Just, yeah. Right. And so it was just like every, so I had convinced myself that either they were going to die or we all were going to die um, that night. And I can just remember just throwing up from the anxiety that hit me. Mm. And <clears throat> Chris was like, I think the next day we just were like, we've got to lay these babies in the Lord's hands. They are not from us. They are from God. And whatever he wants to do, however he wants to tell their story, is just for us to be a conduit for him to share. And so, um, yeah, so that's what we did. Um, And not saying that that was easy, but I think just that laying down helped so much. I had an incredible pregnancy with them. I was not on bed rest. I was enormous, but... um, I never made it on bed rest. I delivered them at 35 weeks on the day and walked into the delivery room and they were all over five pounds and five one, five seven, and five twelve. Uh, we have Warner, Cruz, and Maverick. And they are such miracle boys. And they were in the room with me, I think about four or five hours after I had them. They just kept them to observe them. And they were like, they don't need any NICU time. And I kind of was like, what? I was like, <laughs> I was ready for them to go to the well, NICU. they prepared you. Yeah. yeah they prepared oh, so you. So prepared. Like, plan on the NICU. going to the NICU. Yeah. 100%. And so- um, You're like, hang on a second. I got to take care of all these on my own. Yes, yes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. And then we had Harper at home who was 17 months old. So- um, Blessed. So, yeah, so we had four under two, and, um, yeah, life was very crazy and very full and very busy. Um, When they were, I think it was around 18 months old, um, you know, and I'm sure probably people are like, what is it like with newborns? It's insane. It's as much schedule, keeping track of poopy diapers, um, bottles, Oh, I did breastfeed them for a few weeks. That was a really hard moment for me in motherhood, was giving that up, which sounds ridiculous. But when you have hormones pumping through you and you think breastfeeding them is the best, the only thing that you can do to keep them healthy and alive, it just was a really, really hard decision. Um, but it was one of those, I feel like, pinnacle moments of me of laying down my plans and, tr- and trusting them into the Lord again. And those three little boys have been so incredibly healthy. Formula is not bad. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, goodness, they have had so much health. Um, and yeah, but I would make, I think up to 28 bottles every night for them to be fed like the next day. And you know, it would dwindle down. Um, as they grew, but yeah, it was a pretty chaotic and fun, crazy time taking care of triplets. But I, I have like memories of visiting you. Yeah. And I remember taking a night shift one time when I visited in your old townhouse and <laughs> yeah, I remember that up with all three of them. And I think it was because two people had to take, yeah, two people a had shift to feed. And, mm-hmm. Right. 
especially when they're so little. Yeah. You have to keep track of each one. And I think I fed them each like four ounces and they had these, I mean, they were so tiny, like little five pound babies. And I just remember being so in love, but also like, look now that I'm a mom, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, I have so much more respect and honor and like, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe you did that. You know, and I think a lot of people listening are probably (laughs) thinking the same thing. And you look back. Yeah, you tell me all the time. You're like, I don't know how I did that. That's It was just just, grace for the moment. The Lord, like, gives you what you need in that moment. And I just remember looking back at that being some of the most calm and peaceful times in our life, even though it was, like, crazy. But um, I think I just had this perspective of just what an incredible blessing that this is to experience this. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a miracle. And so they, um, yeah, they were, I think, 18 months old when we, when I thought that I was pregnant again. And that was kind of a shock because we weren't planning on having, oh, here's an interesting story. We weren't, we were going to, um, I was gonna get my tubes tied because I was having a C-section and um, the hospital that I was delivering at was a Catholic hospital and they don't do any permanent forms of birth control. And so <laughs> that wasn't an option um, at this hospital. Cause I was like, yeah, like sign me up. I'm having like, I'm having triplets. Like I'm not going to go through this again. And oh my goodness. that was not an option. And so I remember like, I mean, I was very pregnant with the boys and us driving home and Chris saying, I'm wondering if God wants us to have more babies after this. And I'm thinking like, well, not anytime soon. <laughs> so um, I was that like, I'm pregnant with triplets. Not the time, Chris. Not the yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember us just being like, okay, our hands are open to what you want, Lord. And um, we had a miscarriage at um, when the boys were about 18 months old, pretty early on. Um, but that really just opened our hearts up to really desiring another baby for our family. Um, I think if my kids, if the boys had been fraternal, I don't think we would have been quite as like on board with it because apparently having identical uh, children, identical babies does not lend itself for you to have like repeat multiples having fraternal you can have like your chances of having multiples again are like I forget like 40 or 60 percent something like that so um we knew that having multiples again was probably going to be very rare for us so um so interesting also the likelihood is like you're more like the actual statistics are that you're more likely to win the lottery than you are to have a natural identical triplet pregnancy. I can't like tell the you like odd, how many people have told us we need to play the lottery, but totally because <laughs> the odds are in your favor, clearly. And, but it's just wild. This, this, like the percentage of moms who have natural identical triplet babies yeah. are so small. Yeah. Like it's, it's our doctor not, like had never seen it. Yeah. Never, never. Our doctor had wow. never seen, um, identical, like identical triplets. Um, before. And so she was like, I don't even know the odds. I don't even know the odds of that. So, wow. but yeah, so we had this miscarriage that was December of 2010. And that just really, I think made us want another one. And so I healed from that miscarriage and then we started trying again. Um, 
and I think got pregnant pretty quickly after we decided that um, we want another one. And that was, this is baby Haven. And so we had her, it was kind of, it was just like kind of a redemptive story with her is we had her on December 15th. And I think that, or maybe we came home from the hospital. Yeah, we had her on December 15th and then I came home from the hospital. Um, December 17th, I believe. And anyway, December 17th of 2010 was when we had had, um, I had had a DNC for that miscarriage. Um, and so it was kind of mm-hmm. this full circle, like redemption of just like having Haven. And, um, you know, that was, that was a hard season for sure. Because when we had the boys, we had so much incredible help from our church. We had people coming out to feed the boys and help me. I mean, I think I had help for a year, um, you never paid for diapers either, right? Never. Like, didn't well, they supply all your diapers? We didn't until they were 14 months old. Um, we didn't have to buy diapers wow. and yeah, just because your church just like rallied around our church you. rallied around us so much. And yeah, it was incredible to see the provision and, um, just these people loving these boys and loving our family. Um, we also, this is an incredible tip for you moms to file away um, one day. But I think one of the biggest blessings we had is we had an older lady in the church. Um, All her kids were grown, but she did our laundry for months. Chris would literally take our dirty laundry and leave it on her front porch when he would go to work. She would do our laundry because I couldn't bend over to get into the washing machine. My belly was so big. And um, she would do our laundry and then he would drive by and pick it up off of her porch. Like we didn't see her. We never, like she didn't receive thanks every single day. She just offered that service to us as a ministry. And like, beautiful. Like just, I will never forget that. And I will offer that to moms one day when my kids are older and I'm not doing like five loads a day. (laughs) Um. But what a gift that was to me and just somebody taking that chore off of my list. So, um, yeah, it was really sweet. Um, I love that. And I, I feel like it's really the practical ways that you need help like that. And she clearly was a mom because yes. she knew that was a need for you. Yeah. You know, she knew, but that was a, a way that she could serve. And it's not like you don't have to go over to someone's house right. to be a blessing to them. You can just offer what you have, what you're able to do. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I hope you're enjoying the special month, May is for Mamas, where I've designed every episode to speak some encouragement and life and hopefully give some practical advice to every mama who's listening, as well as bring on some pretty incredible guests, mamas that I personally admire so much. If you haven't heard, we're doing something super fun this month, and I've linked arm with every guest who's going to be on the show, and we're bringing you an amazing giveaway. You could win a month of free Pilates, the best today guide to make your days more intentional, some beauty counter cleansing balm, an amazing meal planning guide, and my new legacy photo system, which is a course that teaches you how to organize all of your photos once and for all. To enter to win all of these things, head to nancyray.com slash maymama. We'll announce the winner on my blog on June 1st, so you have all month long to enter. That's nancyray.com slash M-A-Y-M-A-M-A. Okay, so after Haven, yeah. the story continues. 
Yes. And I think this is like the part for me that gets really heart-wrenching, but also so, so sweet because of God's faithfulness and even until where you are right now. Um, But yeah, just continue. Yeah. So our... um Oh, I was so grateful for Little Haven. I savored every moment of her babyhood, toddlerhood, because I knew it was going to be our last. And um, oh, I just loved being a mama, but it was also really hard because I had five babies. When the baby, when Haven was born, Harper had not even turned four yet. And so um, we had five under four. And, you know, just having boys toddlers oh it's just hard and there weren't as many people to help um and so I definitely had some struggles with postpartum depression through that um and some really dark times and um did take some medicine for a while that helped a lot but then coming off the medicine you know just fighting through some of that and clinging to the Lord. He taught me so, so much. This is also the time that I feel like I was maturing and understanding more of my identity of who I was in Him and um, just kind of getting my feet a little bit more level on separating out who I was from being a mom because, you know, I think it's so easy for us when we have little children for our identities to become so wrapped up in them um, that we, you don't lose yourself, but you just get kind of confused um, and tired, really tired. (laughs) So (laughs) investing in yourself is really hard. I remember I started running during this time and it just helped me process so much. Um, But let's see, Haven was about three and I was actually about to go to a Sally Clarkson conference. She has been such a mentor of mine. Love her so much. And I was headed to Colorado um, with a friend to go to one of her conferences. And <clears throat> I was at Target with Haven. And I was like, oh my gosh, my period's going to start. And so I was like, I'm going to go grab some stuff to take with me. And then, like, as I was wheeling Haven over in the cart to, like, that lady supply aisle, I was like, my period should have already started, like, five days ago. And I cannot even tell you, like, I felt like all the blood rushed out of my head. And I was like, I'm going to pass out. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I and you just knew just in that knew moment. In that knew. moment. And so, I grabbed a pregnancy test and, like, threw it in the cart. And I, like, couldn't even think of the rest of my list of what I needed. And I literally just took, hey, like, I feel like I just was in this daze. I have never been so stunned, even more stunned than having triplets, honestly. And I um, drove straight home. I took Haven out of the car. I left all the groceries in the car and went upstairs and took the test. And sure enough, it was positive. It was like the fastest changing pregnancy test ever. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it was like such a difference of reading that pregnancy test versus reading all my other ones because this one was not in my plans. And um, I cried. I was so upset. I was so overwhelmed. We had just literally, I think we're in the process of potty training Haven or something like that. And I felt like I was on the brink of freedom. And then I was headed right back to babyhood. And, oh my lands, (laughs) I was 
like the hardest thing I can. I don't even know how to put into words how shocked I was. I called Chris and he was um, in a meeting and so he didn't pick up. I called him like five times and he was like, babe, are you okay? I was like, yes, I'm okay. I was like, I'm pregnant, weeping on the phone. And he was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> He's like, that's not bad. Sweet, Chris. And I was like, so sweet. What? I was like, I feel like I'm just so trapped. And anyway, he was like, okay. He's like, calm down. He's like, this is good. Children are a blessing and a reward and a heritage from the Lord. He's like, it's okay. So, um, kind of to make a very, very long story short, <laughs> the Lord really helped me process and see that this is a good thing. When we were, I was pretty sick. When we told our kids, I think I was around about 10 weeks, I'd had my ultrasound. And um, we told our kids, and then their joy really carried us along. Um, We were all so excited and just ready to welcome this baby. Um, And what was really sweet is that, Nancy, you were pregnant with Millie at the time. And so Mm -hmm. we got to share a season of being pregnant together together. We, I remember us going to the beach and taking some maternity photos of our bellies together and our bellies touching and just how sweet that was. Um, well, I think I was about 22 weeks pregnant when I went to the doctor and for our ultrasound or like halfway, you know, midway through ultrasound and um, they didn't see a heartbeat. They said, your baby's passed away. And we actually think your baby's been passed away for about six to seven weeks and just like it was just like living in a weird dream and I was like just so confused I was really scared I was like well how are we gonna get the baby out like yeah because you didn't start bleeding you had no signs of I had no signs of miscarriage none um and yeah and what the one thing I did is I didn't feel the baby move I had not felt the baby move at all And Mm -hmm. so I was a little concerned, but at the time my midwife was like, hey, listen, you have had five children. Your uterus could be really stretched out. You could have an anterior placenta. There were so many different reasons why. And we had delayed our appointment because of going to the beach. Um, And so we were like, okay, well, we'll see. And, you know, she's like, there's just so many reasons why you may not feel the baby move. But when I went in, it was just like, you know, a shock, but yet I knew, I don't know. It just was like, the Lord had prepared my heart in some ways, but yet there's no way to fully prepare for that. So I, um, I remember crying, of course, a lot. And we were going to be scheduled for an induction. And we we're kind of like on the wait list. And anyway, we, I just did not have a piece about delivering this baby with it as an induction. I don't know what it was. I just did not have a piece. And um, I, the midwife called me and said, we're trying to schedule you a time to get induced. But she said, but I'm not so sure I have a piece about you having an induction. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm like, me either. (laughs) And um, she was like, I really am thinking that you need surgery because I don't, since the baby has been passed away for so long, like we don't know what we're going to be dealing with. And so I was like, okay, she says, let me talk to the OB here and I'll call you back. So I ended up being scheduled for surgery. The surgery went perfectly. They said it could not have gone more perfect. The doctor was very kind and very, um, 
like even just guarding of my emotions, um, you were actually due, um, Minky, like I think a week after, like we had lost the baby. Um, yeah, I remember. <clears throat> and yeah, it was really close. Yeah, it was really close to that. And I remember telling him, I'm like trying to get permission to go get on a plane to go see you. And he was just so tender with me and just said, right now is your time to heal. I want you to wait. Um, a couple weeks before you go. And I just remember him being so tender with me and um, had the surgery. He told Chris it was textbook. Like I lost very minimal blood. Everything was fine. Well, on the way home, after everything was done, um, I started to hemorrhage and hemorrhage so profusely. We had to call an ambulance to come get me. I've never seen Chris like so scared. I was so scared. Um, just... You know, it just was very, very traumatic. Blood was just pouring from my body. And that's the only way that I can describe it. Um, of course, in the moment, I just had so much panic and fear. But um, they're literally, Chris called 911, and literally an ambulance was at the stoplight right beside the church parking lot we had pulled into. So there was just so many provisions like that. Um, that just the Lord gave us. I remember getting into the ambulance and I kept just saying the name of Jesus over and over and over again. And, um, didn't you ask the doctor too, right before you left, like what, what would happen if I started bleeding? What should I do? Didn't you ask him that? I think I, yes, I did. And we actually even called like another nurse. I remember nurse, you telling me that. Yeah. A friend, um, we called a friend who she also was like, I said, I feel like, I'm starting to bleed. And she was like, I want you to turn around and go drive straight back to the hospital. So we were getting off on an exit and it was actually our church at the time. And I was like, well, maybe if I just go into the bathroom, you know, I kind of change just everything and, you know, go to the bathroom, it'll resolve. Well, that was when I stood up and it was just like, everything started pouring out of me and um, went, got in the ambulance just kept saying like Jesus, the name of Jesus. And I had peace that was like no other flood over me. Um, I know they didn't give me any medication like at the time because they didn't know what was going on with me. And um, there was just this incredible, incredible peace. And I can remember them taking me, like it was almost like just this scene from a movie because they take me out of the ambulance there. They're like, um, I forget how old I was at the time. I think I was 33. Yeah, 33. And they were like, 33-year-old, Caucasian Caucasian woman, um, just had a certain, like, it was like all these, like, facts about me, but, like, that they were telling each other, like, all the paramedics, and it just was so surreal. But in that moment, I would close my eyes, and it was like, I don't know how to describe it other than just, like, I don't know if I was like that close to death or if I was just the Lord had given me these spiritual like eyes to see, but there were angels, huge warrior type angels all around me. And there were at the head of my bed and like all around my, um, like the little gurney thing that I was on. And um, 
I felt so safe. And I remember telling one of the nurses that there was a sweetest, like, older nurse. And she was cleaning me up and, like, calling me sweetie. And, like, she was like, I'm going to get you some warm washcloths and we're going to just take care of you. And she was, like, wiping down my legs. And um, I just looked at her and I just said, thank you for taking care of me so much. And I'm going to start crying because she she just was so tender. And I told her, I said, I have this peace that I wish everybody could feel right now because it was so tangible and it was the closest that I ever felt to the presence of Jesus. And I wasn't worried. Like, you know, you think if, as a mom, you're going to be worried about your children if something happens to you. And um, it was like, I knew Jesus was taking care of my children. I wasn't worried at all. I knew he was with Chris. I knew we had gotten separated because um, Chris had to drive our car to the hospital. And um, I knew that everybody was going to be okay. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I honestly didn't know if I was going to die or not. Like, I was kind of almost just in this limbo state. But the glimpse that I got of the love and the peace of who Jesus is and His presence was tangible. It was so incredible. And at times when I get scared or when I fear or I wonder what the future is going to hold— I look back to that moment and I say, this is why he says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. It's because he's so real and we just get so lost in the details of life and the things that we're called that we need to do. But Jesus is so, so real. And so I ended up being diagnosed with something called DIC. Um, it's a very long word, but basically, um, it's when your body stops clotting. And so they told me if I had driven home to try to lay down, which was our plan originally, that I would have died. Um, so like I said, I don't know actually how close I was to death. I know I had to have four bags of the stuff that makes your blood clot. Um, and I had to stay in the hospital about a little, it's a little over 24 hours. Um, and then they released me. I was severely anemic at that point because of all the blood I had lost. And, of course, a grieving mama, too, to this baby. And so I went home to kind of begin this healing process that um, uh, was so tender and so hard all at the same time. There were so many questions of why. Why did you let me go through this? Why did you let my children go through this? Um, of course, they didn't know the drastic part of almost losing their mama. But... Um, you know, why was just my question. And, you know, he didn't have an answer for me right then and there, but he held me tenderly through that time. He carried me and he, um, I remember he gave me the song um, uh, that Chris Tomlin sings it, but the verse, the Lord has promised good to me, his word, my hope secure. Um, I can't think of the words right now. He will my shield... What are, what are the words? <laughs> Got all emotional. I can't think. <laughs> laugh crying over here. Laugh crying. Laugh crying. Um, I can't even think of the words. Anyway, it's a really good song. 
but he gave, it, he gave, he gave me that song. We'll um, find the song. We'll find it. We'll leave a link in the show notes. They can listen to it themselves. <laughs> um, and anyway, he gave me that song. And um, just, I just would cling to that. And I would cling to his scripture about him being faithful, of um, that I knew that he was good, even when our life circumstances say that they try to say otherwise, that he is still good. Um, his word, my hope secure. And um, I just continued on that. My body had a really long way to go to heal. And um, we began to pray and just see like, are we supposed to have more children? I mean, that was a very traumatic thing to go through, but we really weren't sure. And so about a year after that, we began to really just say, okay, let's just see. Let's see if God has any more children for us. And it was about, I don't know the timeline because it wasn't nearly as like, I feel like we were trying as much as we were like the very first time before we had all of our children. Um, But we weren't preventing either. And so I didn't get pregnant for, I think it was about two years. And I went to a doctor um, and they did some tests. And this doctor just said, as crazy as this sounds, you have five children, but I think that you're infertile now. I think that there's something that with that pregnancy that your womb is just now closed. And as hard as that was to hear, I was like, okay, it was kind of this finality of just like, all right. But yet my heart did always long. I would go through different seasons of saying, Chris, I just want another baby. I don't know why. I just long for this other baby. And he's like, well, you know, let's just keep leaving it in God's hands. And um, so... This past summer, I think it was in June, um, my period was late again. And I was like, what in the world? Out of nowhere, it was, it had been four years since that loss. And um, I took a pregnancy test, sure enough, it was positive. I was like, oh my word. So we went to a doctor. Anyway, that pregnancy did not make it. It was a very early miscarriage. And um, I did have to have another DNC with that one. My body just doesn't like to let go of babies that I've lost. <laughs> and um, I had another DNC, and Chris and I have just been like, it's, it's in the Lord's hands, like whatever happens. Um, but I also started this new job, being at my kid's school, and man, being a working mama is a whole new ball game. It's very, very hard. Um, just so much of your time is limited. You have to be incredibly efficient at planning, at doing things. And it did even help to have older kids for sure um, because they could help, they can make their lunches. But still, it's just this orchestrated chaos that, you know, nothing was ever complete. Like laundry was never complete. Grocery shopping was never complete. It just was like, just this constant, but yet we were happy and we were content and it was just lots of fun to kind of just be living life as this family on the go. Um, but I got really sick. We don't know if it was the coronavirus or not (laughs) before all the, the diagnosis, but it was in November and pretty much had all the symptoms that they say is for coronavirus, but whatever. It was some upper respiratory. 
both of us think we both had the coronavirus. <laughs> we, we share our, our we share. war stories, but we're like, if only we had a test, I bet we did I have it. we did have it. I tell you what, I mean, I wheezed for like seven weeks after that thing. I remember. And then I got it after you. Yes. And then I told you my story and you were like, this is the exact same thing yes. I had. People who are listening to this are going to be like, you people are crazy. <laughs> Anyway, we survived. We made we'll it take the antibodies test. It'll be fine. We'll prove to everyone we got <laughs> we'll it. That we got it. Um, but what was crazy was, um, so during that time of being sick, my period was supposed to start, and it never started. And um, I was like, okay. I'm like, I didn't get my hopes up there because I was sick. And so I was like, maybe it's because I'm sick. Maybe, you know, that just threw it off. Um, but I did take a test anyway. And it was positive. And I was like, oh my gosh, which then, you know, just sends you into all these craziness because I was so sick right at the beginning. And um, I was super guarded, but everything with this pregnancy has just been amazing. And um, this little baby is measuring actually even ahead of schedule. <laughs> I don't have small children, um, but... Um, everything is looking great and, um, we're on track to deliver late June, early July-ish and, um, maybe even late July. We don't know. We got a big window here to work with (laughs) and, um, but definitely have seen God's hand in this of him giving us another little one, um, I know there's one thing that I have definitely wanted to say in all of this is that I do not believe and I do not like the term rainbow baby because I don't think that a child, another child is ever meant to to fill another child's space, if that makes sense. Um, So the baby that we lost, we named him Asa and that means healer. And, um, we, that sweet baby brought us through so much depth of digging into, um, some past hurts and some just things that really, I mean, it really did heal our hearts in a lot of way of going through that deep, deep grief. Um, but, you know, we weren't trying to have another baby, to fill the place of the loss of him because that was his role to play. And, um, you know, if you look at what the promise of a rainbow actually is, the promise of a rainbow, the sign of a rainbow is God's, that God's not going to ever leave you. He's not going to, he is faithful to his word. And, um, you know, it's God's presence that is, his promise to us, not necessarily saying that it's going to be another child that fulfills, you know, that's going to prove his faithfulness. Um, and so, you know, if there's another mama that's out there longing for a baby and wanting another baby, I understand that 100%. But I would really encourage you to shift your focus to the Lord. And it's not a quick and easy focus shift. It's one that can take a long time. Um, but when He becomes the one that begins to fulfill all the desires of your heart, 
then it's like the stage is set for him to do above and beyond what you could ask or imagine um, Mm. in him showing you how he's going to fulfill, you know, just who he is in your life. And, um, you know, because (laughs) that baby, you know, if you call it a rainbow baby, that baby's still going to cry. It's not going to be perfect. It's still going to keep you up in the middle of the night. It's going to exhaust you and, get you sick at times and make you lose sleep. And it's, you know, motherhood's a hard journey. It's a hard, hard road of self-sacrifice. And um, so another baby's not going to fulfill the longing in your heart. Only Jesus can do that. And so um, I think that, you know, that's one thing that I just really wanted to share was that God can give us so many children. Each one is a blessing, but none's going to be our completer, you know, Um, Only he can do that. I remember you kind of processing this with me when you had your last miscarriage and you were like, I don't know that we're going to have another baby. And the hard thing and a trend I'm seeing in your story is like when you have a miscarriage or a loss, it really does open up your heart to another baby in a weird way. And I can't speak to that because thank the Lord, I've never walked through a miscarriage before, Yeah, but I've seen that before. Yeah. And I've seen that in you, but you, I remember you telling me, like, God is teaching me that even if our family is completed and in, in the last child that we conceive is lost and we don't yeah. get pregnant again, we don't have another baby, that that is okay. And because my hope is in Jesus, it's not in a fulfilled pregnancy or in a baby. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's that's a really heart wrenching thing to learn. And it's also like, I think when I see women saying like, I ha- here's our rainbow baby, I've had my rainbow baby. I don't think they're necessarily saying like, oh, this baby replaced the last one or this baby replaced. Yeah. I don't think they're necessarily saying that when they say that, because it is like almost like a fulfilled promise is I think what they're trying to say. But I like the depth and, and the way that you're challenging that because it it kind of pushes back on that a little bit to say like, yeah, but where is your real hope? Like where yeah. is really the thing that you're after? Because this baby, while it's beautiful and it is a fulfilled promise, like this baby will break you down <laughs> like, like all other babies do, right? And it yes. ultimately will leave you wanting in some way because that's yeah. just how it is. Everything in life leaves us wanting. Our husbands leave us wanting. Our children leave yeah. us wanting because- we were made to be filled by our creator. We were made yes. to be filled filled up by the Lord. And I think it's just a really good perspective of someone who has walked the road, had miscarriages, had loss, had tons of babies. <laughs> you know, you've you've gone through just about almost every circumstance and you can still speak to that and say, don't put your hope in a baby. Don't put your hope yeah. in that and, and have it in calling it a rainbow baby. It's like, well, you might want to just think about that. And I really love that perspective. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. So there, I feel like there's so, so many things that just by hearing your story of motherhood, like even just for me as your sister, I know the story. I've walked it with you. I've seen you go through every single one of these circumstances, but hearing it all together has reminded me of so many things. And I think the word that just comes out at me. It's just, your story is miraculous. 
I mean, mm-hmm. it is supernatural. It's it's literally like heaven meeting earth and what man says impossible, God says is possible because you struggle with infertility for two and a half years and then you're able to get pregnant. And then you had the crazy, the craziest thing happened to you when your daughter was nine months old, you get pregnant naturally with identical triplets. Yeah. And then <laughs> you lose a baby, then you have another baby, then you're deemed infertile. Yeah. No, then you have Asa. You have yeah, yeah. you get pregnant with Asa, yeah. you lose Asa, then you're deemed infertile. And then you go on to get pregnant again, lose yeah. a baby, and then you get pregnant this last time. And this baby is healthy and is going to be born in like a few short weeks, like 10 yeah. weeks, eight weeks. I don't know how many yeah. weeks left. But I'm just looking, like when I summarize it all, and as someone's listening to this for the first time, it's like, what? Like I literally was just ugly crying, weeping when you were telling me that part of you being in the ambulance with God's presence around you because I'm 33. Yeah. And I am the same age that you were when you walked through that. I also remember being at the pool, getting the phone call from mom in a panic saying, pray for Mary Lindsay, pray for her, pray for her. Yeah. I don't know if she's going to be okay. And I, that was a voicemail. I didn't even know what was happening. And we just stopped at the pool and prayed and I was so scared and I didn't know. But just looking at it all, like your story just shouts at the world and hopefully is shouting to the heart of a mom right now that the impossible is possible with God. And He is the only one who can write your story and do the impossible and show off like that. But He also not only shows off in like these big miraculous ways and giving you these precious babies, but He walks you through the darkest, toughest times of your life when you feel like you are literally on the brink of death or when you're being wrung out and you don't know who you are because you're taking care of five kids under four. Yeah. Like I think I have it rough with three kids under four. And I'm like, oh my word. Every time I just I'm like, sissy, teach me all your ways. But literally it's just, <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah it's just so, going back to the fact that like God, God has really written your story and it's really yeah. wild. And he's there in the highest highs and he's there in the lowest lows. And yes. that picture of the angels and him, his presence and that peace that you talked about is something I think that anyone who listens to the story, they're not going to forget that. Yeah. Like, it is so profound well, and beautiful. It's been neat because, you know, when I had the triplets, I had, we say it was like right before the, it was like the dawn of the social media. <laughs> like right, right when I had the triplets. So interesting. The timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 2009. And so, um, I remember I got my first iPhone when Haven, I think was like four months old, maybe two months old, something like that. So really I started my Instagram journey and stuff was with her, but I did have a blog with, for my boys and it chronicled like all the their presence, their, their presence, their like coming to be my pregnancy, their birth. And I had kind of created this little bit of like, you know, platform to continue on in. And um, I know you have walked through this struggle with me of really trying to figure out how I was supposed to share my story. Because, you know, God has been so faithful and like, He's the one that I want to glorify, not me. Like, it's Him. And so, um, like, I want to tell any other woman, like, he can do this for you, too. Like, I'm not, like, I've, I've messed up. Like, I have not done things perfectly. He hasn't chosen me to do this because, like, he's chosen me just to, to you know, 
he's done this in my life and he can do this for you too. It's like what I want to look at every woman in the eye and say, like he can do the impossible in your life too. Um, look to him, believe him, you know, set your heart on him. And, um, but he called me to, to not go that route. Like he called me to not blog and I'll occasionally post on Instagram. <laughs> and, um, like I said, this is my first podcast <laughs> that I've ever recorded before. And, um, you know, I thank you for letting me share my story because really it's him that I want to get the glory in all of this. And, um, I, you know, just, want women to know that, like that he is safe and that he is good and to seek him with all their heart. Open up your Bible to read, just begin to read and um, you will see his faithfulness. Talk to him all throughout the day. Like he's there listening and he will talk back to you. So um, through his word and through worship songs and you know, he's, he is faithful. And so I just, you know, I praise him for the work that he's done in my life. Absolutely. I was going to have you like share some encouraging words and check. You did. You just did that. That's, <laughs> we're done. I was like, any final thoughts? I'm like, well, that was basically the best thing that you could have said. So thanks for that. Um, because truly, and that's one thing that I admire so much in you and have loved and have really talked with you a lot about is social media is hard with moms. And we didn't really plan on talking about this, but I like that it came up because um, one thing I love about you is you're just like, Hey, delete it. You know, leave me a voice text or something. Hey, deleted Instagram and Facebook again, like (laughs) going to stay off of it for a few months. And I'm like, man, that's so refreshing. But I think it's good for other moms to hear that if you need to do that, you do that. And if you, you know, I think it comes, down to the assignment that God's given you in your life. And if he is saying, quiet that noise, you quiet that noise. And, you know, for me, that's a rhythm I've kind of taken to in the last year is just taking one week off of social media a month. And that's been super life-giving, but I'm also like, I think I might do like a month. And I have a friend that's doing like a year. And I just think it's important to acknowledge that it's a thing. And it's a thing that shouldn't just be put to the side and ignored. It's a thing that like, if you, you might need to let go of that and that's okay. Because the most important thing is making sure that you are walking with the Lord. Like you said, that you're listening to him. And if that thing is detracting from being able to do that well, just because it's extra noise, then it's okay to just let it go. Yes. And I think too, you know, being a mom of young kids, and I know we just talked about this, like in your own life is you can feel isolated at times. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, it's just hard to have mom conversations or conversations with friends. Um, but this is such a short time in your life of you feeling this way. It's not the rest of your motherhood. Um, that one thing that really helped me was when I pulled off of being online, I've done different things. I think my longest stint was like, 10 months of being off of all social media. Um, And yeah, like right now I'm currently off of it um, for who knows how long. It just was too much. And um, I just needed, you know, a little bit of just headspace to hear from the Lord and to prepare for this baby. And, um, you know, I 
just want to encourage you that it's not that you've lost your voice or your platform. Um, Look locally to how you can still have a voice. Look into your church. How can you give back to your community? How can you um, love right where you are? Your neighbors, your um, your children. You know, um, one thing that social media does, as we all know, is it's just a it's a fun numbing tool to just escape. And um, but it can easily take away from us looking into the eyes of our children and really seeing them. Um, we so like when you step off of it and you don't have that crutch in your life and I would say just delete it from your phone if you want to try it but um it's hard for about the first week it's weird because you don't have that default (laughs) um but it really allows you to say okay well I do have things to give it just may not be in that track like it just may not be that may not be where I need to be now other people are called to that and so like you have had lots of different things unfold and, you know, work that way. And so you are called to be on social media. Like you can't, I mean, you could get off for like a month or you could get off for like a year or whatever, but that's also where the Lord has given you some point of a platform. And, um, you know, it's could be for a season, but I just had to pull off of it myself, and I want to tell other moms, too. It's a good thing. It can be really good, and it can be really refreshing. Um, But also not to, like, I don't know, like, champion the other moms that are on social media as well and say, hey, that's awesome for you. Like, it's not just a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It is a individual. um, You got to see where your heart is and everything, and yeah, just the margin that you have. So I'm going to read the book Digital Minimalism later this year. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that because the author of it talks a lot about like living life in a way that it just like really pulls back all the digital noise yeah. and you can really live like a real life. And I mean, he like, he's not on social media at all. Like and yeah. he's an author and you think, how can you be an author and not be on social media? He's like, well, you just do it. Like <laughs> you just write a book and you don't do social media, you know? And exactly. so I'm excited to read that, but oh, that's really I do agree. Cool. It's not one size fits all, but I think that it's worth analyzing and searching your heart about because yeah. if there is a tension or a discontent and you're not feeling like you're being the best mom or the best wife or the best person because of this, then it's worth removing. I heard something recently on in a sermon I was listening to, and the pastor asked the question, what stirs your affection for the Lord? Like, what are things mm. in your life that stir your affection for the Lord? Because a lot of times the things in our life um, that don't stir our affection of the Lord are amoral. They're not wrong or yeah. sinful or bad to do. They're just not good or bad. They're just there, but they're not really helping you or spurring you on with the Lord. So I just loved that question because— yeah, I feel like it's like what what are the things that really make you the best mom? And I feel like you and I we could talk for probably three more hours, so we need to probably <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. up since it's been around an hour. Um, but I'm so 
so thankful just for your transparency and for reliving the story of God's faithfulness to you and our family again, because it really is miraculous. And your story was impossible, but God made it possible. And He is the one, I think anyone listening can hear it and say, yep, that was God. Like that was totally God being in every detail of it. Yeah. So um, I have just a couple questions to kind of close out the episode. Lastly, I'm sure people are wondering about how you're feeling about having another baby. Starting (laughs) newborn life, your youngest is Eight isn't Haven eight. Haven's eight, yes. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel? We're gonna just call you Joanna Gaines. <laughs> Joanna Gaines. Um, I'm really excited. In some ways, I feel like this is my first time again. Um, I can even remember texting you in the beginning saying, "Is this normal?" And you're like, "You've had so many pregnancies. What do you mean?" <laughs> I'm like, "I but know, you forget. But I forget. You totally forget. I know, um, and it's been a while. Yeah." Yeah. And so, but then in some ways there's just this calm and this peace of, um, just, I don't know. Hey, okay. You know, I've done this before and it's going to be okay. Um, we are doing something new this time. We're doing a home birth or at least we're aiming for a home birth. I'm not setting it up like, you know, it's my end all be all, but in more ways than one, we've had the Lord confirm this to us over and over. And this was even before all the craziness with the coronavirus started. <laughs> so um, it was like right before that you it was. Got, yeah, right before it. Yeah. And so um, you know, that's gonna be new for sure. But we're also really excited and the kids are really excited. Um, you know, our hands are definitely open with just everything, I feel like, with life in general. And, um, but we're excited to transition into the season of welcoming a new baby into our home. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just taking each day at the time and trying to set myself up for success and all my little helpers and um, explaining things to them. But, yeah, we're excited. So sweet. You're also going to have a small army of like kids to help you. And I think <laughs> Harper and Haven are not going to want to give that baby to you that you're going to be like, okay, it's my turn to hold my the turn. baby. I got to feed it. Um, um, so, well, and then like today for lunch, I've been trying to do, do little practice lunches so the kids can get used to, they pretty much have breakfast down, but like we're working on lunches now. And so today Warner helped make hot dogs. <laughs> And I sat on the couch, I sat on the couch and I was like, gave them instructions on what to do. And I was like, okay, take this pot and you fill it up and, you know, turn on the stove, put hot dogs in, let it boil. Like, but it was so fun and they totally fixed lunch, like all by themselves. It was amazing. I sat on the couch and just gave instructions. So I am nowhere close to that. So that gives me a lot of hope. (laughs) But you will be one day. They'll be making their own lunches. I know. I know. So. So fun. Okay, three fun questions to end. What is a book that you're loving? I am loving, and I actually wanted to reference it several times um, in talking, um, is Emily Lay's latest book, um, Less Is More. Is that the name of it? I don't have it yeah. in front of me. Less Is More. It's so good. It's it is so good. so good. And just, you know, even when we were talking about being off Instagram, I love just the image of this woman living an analog life of Mm -hmm. really what fills you up. So waking up in the morning and getting your cup of coffee and not looking at your phone, but looking around you 
putting your eyes up, feeling the cool air of the morning on your face and like living life for what it was meant to be. And um, I just love that. Um, Yeah. So that's one of the books I'm loving right now. What about a product that you're loving? It can be anything. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) So so pregnancy related, but I did not know this with any of my other pregnancies. Um, I have had terrible heartburn. And, you know, most of the times they're like, Tums, take Tums, 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 Tums. Well, Tums were not even touching it. And so I have been taking, I started off with papaya enzymes, which they kind of stopped working a little bit, but I've been taking, um, it's called HCL, um, which is like the same kind of stuff your stomach produces, like hydrochloric acid. And I take one tablet, like if I'm having a spicy meal or meal with tomatoes or something that I know is going to give me heartburn and it completely makes my heartburn disappear. Like completely. What? I wish I you had, had had this with Govert. I wish I had had this too. And I, I can even take it in the middle pillows. of the night. I can take it on an empty stomach oh. as well. Um, it does better with food, but wow. it is amazing. And I feel like a lot of pregnant moms don't know about it. Of course, check with your doctor. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. it is magical. And I just got it off Amazon. HCL with pepsin and betaine is what mine okay. says. You're going to send me the link. Text me the link, and then okay. I'll put that link in the show notes so they okay. get exactly what you're thinking. But I'm telling you, it's magical. I am really jealous of you. Not gonna <laughs> lie. I'm a little angry that I didn't have that because my heartburn was It was fierce. Terrible. I know. It was awful. Okay. How do you maintain? This is the last question. How do you maintain a healthy soul and a fulfilling life being a mom of all the kids. I'm like, how many kids do you have? I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, Five with one on the way. <laughs> I think it's different for each season. Um, I've learned a lot through each season. Of course, staying anchored in the Lord. Um, I do love trying to start off the mornings with time in the Word, but um, that doesn't always happen being a mom. And so um, I think Worship music for me is an incredible way for me just to recenter my heart and my focus on the Lord, knowing that He's in control. When I can study the Bible, I love to do that. And then just getting outside and being in nature, like just looking up, even though like most of my nature walks are on my neighborhood sidewalk, um, not like in the woods, but just seeing birds, seeing God's faithfulness to the birds, I feel like is something that always encourages my heart. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I'm so happy you did a great job. Your first podcast. Thank you so so much. Seriously. That's okay. It was worth it because you I we can't miss any of those details. It was all really important. So thank you so much. I truly mean it. I know anyone who's listening is going to be so grateful to have heard God's faithfulness in your story. And to just yes. feel like it's a little injection of faith, like just to say, keep going. God has not, God has not done writing my story. He's with me in the mountain peaks and he's with me in the valleys. He's never leaving me and he can do the impossible. Mindy, Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so you thankful. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. And I'm really glad you're my first and maybe only podcast. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we had fun. That's we for sure. Fun. We laughed a little. We cried a little. Yes. It was great. It was great. <laughs> well, thank you. And I love you. And um, yeah, 
I'll talk to you soon. It's time for the work and play corner store where we have some fun and draw from either my personal life or a recommendation from my guest on the podcast and leave you with a book I'm loving and a thing I'm loving. And today, my sister added the book When Less Becomes More by Emily Lay, which is already in the corner store, Avi, because I've already done two episodes on this book. It's so good. As well as the HCL Heartburn Relief Magic Pills pills that sounds really bad but you get what I'm saying for every expecting mama with heartburn it would be magical to get rid of heartburn during pregnancy at least it was for me so we're adding those to the corner store and I'm really excited just keep in mind I may get a small commission from anything bought through these links which helps me continue to bring this podcast to you every week so I'm always grateful when you use the links and I hope you enjoy the corner store it's always fun for me to give a little shout out to the things that are making our lives a little bit easier Thanks for listening to episode 58 of Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Everything I've mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 58. You can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at Nancy Ray on Instagram or Facebook almost daily. I'm going to close with words from Sally Clarkson. The fundamental mission of motherhood now is the same as it's always been, to nurture, protect, and instruct children to create a home environment that enables them to learn and grow, to help them develop a heart for God and His purposes, and to send them out into the world prepared to live both fully and meaningfully. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, okay so where can people find you? Uh, even though you're not on Instagram all the time and not really blogging anymore, can you share your Instagram and blog so people can find you? Yes. So my Instagram and blog both are the same, and it is Hope Filled Home. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. But, well, that's all, folks. We were <laughs> okay, I think we'll, we'll end it there. Okay. <laughs> I am so sweaty. <laughs> oh, I'm cramping up, and I really have to be. I've been holding my feet this whole time. <laughs> the best ending to a podcast.